Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, ball to the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. My heavens, does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and gone. Hello and welcome back, Bucks fans, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Today, we're going to bring you the latest red and pewter headlines from the week before the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. The Bucks, fresh off a 32-9 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles, are prepared to take one hell of a road trip to Detroit, a team that they've already played once this season for a highly anticipated matchup, and the winner will move on to the NFC Championship game, but... It's not the playoffs without a little bit of extra drama. And for the Buccaneers, they just got some more bulletin board material this week as we are going to dive into the details of a little bit of trash talk between Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Baker Mayfield. But first and foremost, Evan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, you know, it, the, the week's been a little bit of a whirlwind. I think with the Bucks playing on Monday, you sort of get thrown off. So it's already Wednesday and uh, we're, we're preparing for a game on Sunday. So uh, this is normally our Tuesday show, obviously happening on Wednesday, but we will still have our game preview show uh, with some special guests on Friday. So that will not change. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. So let's just go ahead and get into our cover story here. Ahead of this weekend's divisional playoff game, Lions defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson takes a shot at Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield. Now, for anyone who has followed this podcast or really followed the Bucs for an extended period of time, you should be familiar with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, used to be a pretty notorious Saints defensive back, I believe the one who laid the hit on Chris Godwin to knock him out of the 2021 uh, season. No, I, I think that was P.J. Williams. I think it was okay. P.J. Williams. I, I could you, be wrong, but I think it was P.J. Williams. I think you may be correct. But during his time as a New Orleans Saint, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was also notorious for laying out some dirty hits here and there. Well, he is most recently in Detroit, and he had some thoughts about the Buccaneers' wide receiver room this week. And, and actually, it was more of a backhanded compliment. He was complimenting the wide receiver room, and uh, you know Baker Mayfield caught a little bit of a stray so here is the full quote talking about uh, the team they had faced there in the first round. He said, quote, this group probably is one of the better groups we have faced all year besides that group in Tampa. If you give that Tampa group a good quarterback, that's a great group. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, that is a great group. When I played those guys, I played against them for real. Uh, so he is insinuating that he doesn't normally have to apply himself, but whenever he does play Tampa and he plays Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and apparently Russell Gage, uh, he does have to apply himself. Now, a little bit of time did pass. Baker Mayfield was asked about it at his press conference today, and uh, here is his response. J.C. Allen with the question. Sorry about the trash pack. It's already started. Chauncey Garner-Johnson said this would be a, a good Bucks group if they had a, a start quarterback. Mm-hmm. What do you, you guys say about that? Um, I don't think he's really watched film. Because uh, you mentioned Russell Gage, you know we love Russell, but Russell hasn't played a snap all year for us. Um, he must be going off the preseason stuff that the media was talking about. But he didn't play our first game, so I'm excited to see him. I think he's a really good player. Um, 
he has been for a while, and he's been an impactful guy on every team he's been on. So he, he's uh, he's a good player, but yeah, he's got to do a little bit more film study. Whenever the Bucks play a, a guy like you know C.J. Gardner Johnson or even Cam Jordan, I'll group those guys together. It seems like it's inevitable that at some point uh, they're going to take a couple of stabs at your team. But I mean, if you're the Bucks. The more bulletin board material at this time of year, the better, in my opinion. I, I mean, Baker Mayfield just needs another excuse to go out there and, and throw for 300-plus yards this week. I always liked uh, one of my favorite clips of Baker in college uh, was when I think he was playing Kansas, and they went at, at midfield. I, I think it was, it was before the game. They, they went to shake hands, and the Kansas players didn't shake their hands, and he goes to shake their hands, and he just shakes his head and starts clapping. Like, I love that. So he's definitely a guy that is going to listen to that and have a chip on his shoulder. He always he has had a chip on his shoulder his entire, this entire season, uh, but he's a guy who takes that stuff to another level to where it's like, yeah, like, you know, now he's going to be thinking about that. And uh, I do think Tom Brady w- was very similar. Uh, you know, Tom Brady did it in a little bit of a different way, though. Uh, Mayfield's more emotionally driven, I, I think, th- th- than Brady was. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what, what happens on Sunday. I mean, Chauncey Garner-Johnson did not play the last time these two teams met. So uh, I think John Leonard actually brought up, uh, brought up a-, a decent point. He might be like... You know, Chauncey Garner Johnson maybe watched the tape from that Bucks game against Detroit where Mayfield really didn't play that well. Like, he missed a bunch. I think he missed Trey Palmer deep, like, three times in that game. Uh, so he didn't really play very well. And maybe, like, that's what he's forming his opinion on. But, yeah, I mean, you, you'd think you'd know that uh, Russell Gage wasn't in the lineup. Um, but, you know, once a Saint, always a Saint. So uh, not much you can do about it. Baker Mayfield, a quarterback this season with Tampa Bay, who has earned over $2.85 million in incentives on top of that $4 million base contract. He's going to earn a lot more net in about two months. So So, uh, good for Baker Mayfield. You know, just more motivation for this team to to continue to prove people wrong. And, And that's what I love to hear. You know, that's the spirit of the postseason. That's football at its finest. A little bit of trash talk never hurt anybody. And uh, hopefully it is just some extra motivation for the team headed into their biggest game of the season, no doubt. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just kind of do a, I guess, a state of the Bucks show because we talked a little bit about it on the post game from Sunday night, well, early Monday morning, uh, about, you know, how the Bucs answered a lot of questions about their immediate future with that dominant win over the Birds on Monday Night Football. Todd Bowles will be back here next year. We know more than likely the Bucks are going to be ready to shell out some money to sign Baker Mayfield to a, a multi-year extension. Mike Evans seems to have a good chance of coming back with the veteran quarterback making his way back. We'll see what the market is is looking like. But, you know, the Bucks are set up good. And I wanted to kind of dive into really Todd Bowles for the time being. Uh, Todd Bowles is a guy that we have been critical of here on the podcast time and time again. And while there's certain things as a head coach that I'm, I'm still not crazy about, there's still some tendencies that he has that I don't think are going to go away. Uh, hanging on to timeouts, I don't think is going to go away. The, the, the inconsistencies with aggressiveness, you know, one week we're going for it on fourth and three. The other week we're not challenging anything. I, I don't know if that will change, but I am proud of Todd Bowles. I will say that. And I and I think with all the credit that Todd Bowles has gotten this season with where the Bucks were when they were playing much worse, you know, that was on Todd Bowles. Like when the Bucks have been bad this year, it is on Todd Bowles. But in that same breath, when the Bucks have been good this year and as of right now playing some of their best football, 
I think Todd Bowles deserves a ton of credit for where this team is right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great job, uh, specifically the game plan that he put together uh, against Philadelphia. Sort of, it, you know, it reminds me a lot, and I think you actually, you said that it, uh, you didn't say this on the air, you said this to me off the air, but you said like, oh, like that game sort of reminded me of like the, the, the Super Bowl, basically. Obviously, it's not the same, um, but like it's sort of like the way the game played out. And I'm going to agree with you there, but for a different point. And it's because the Bucks played the Chiefs earlier in that regular season, and the Chiefs pretty much, especially in the, in the first half, did whatever they wanted, right? Like Tyreek Hill went off at the end of the freaking first quarter, uh, and the Chiefs were able to do whatever they wanted down the field, whatever, and the Bucks lost. Tom Bowles went back, and in the second time around in the playoffs, switched up the defensive game plan. This time around against the Eagles, the Eagles were, do, were able to do whatever they wanted to on the ground in week three, rushing for 201 yards. That was the second most they've ran all year. And the Bucks, you know, lost the Eagles. This time around, Todd Bowles made adjustments and made it a point to not let the Eagles rush, you know, rushing attack beat them this time. And they did it with a lot of six man fronts. Uh, and, and it worked. It worked out very well. And uh, I do think Todd Bowles deserves a ton of credit for that. Now he has another opportunity this week because again, just like the Eagles and just like the Chiefs, this was a Lions team that came into Tampa and beat the Buccaneers. So, and really, and the Lions only put up twenty points. But I read the the stats, I believe, uh, on a segment that we have coming out for Believe. Uh, Jared Goff went off in that game, <laughs> and uh, it, they only scored twenty points, but they had a ton of yards. And let me. Let me actually, I, I'm pulling up the stat right now. Uh, Jared Goff in that game was 30 of 44 for 353 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, pass rating of 107.5. Uh, the Lions did not try and run the ball much. Yeah, they didn't. Um, only, what, 19, 20 carries between the four running backs that they tried to run the ball yeah, with. And, yeah, and not much. 35 um, yards between all those yeah. guys. And uh, Amandre St. Brown had 12 catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. So while the Lions only put up 20 points, that's a lot of yards. Like, like that is still a lot of yards. So I'm curious to see what adjustments does Taz Bowles make here. Uh, I do think blitzing Jared Goff is somewhat dangerous because he has been pretty good against the blitz. I think a key is going to be trying to manufacture pressure with four guys. And we'll talk about a little bit more about the Lions specifically uh, on, on the Friday game preview show but back to the point of just Todd Bowles making those adjustments I think he does deserve a lot of credit but I am curious to see how uh, the adjustments he makes for Sunday's game and yeah I, I, I think especially because when you lose what six or seven and then you come back and you you win four straight right and you win four straight you win a gutsy game in Atlanta you didn't play great but you, you still won the game uh, Carolina same thing you didn't play great but still won the game and then you go into Green Bay a tough place to play against one of the hotter teams in the NFL at the time and the team that just beat the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Uh, you go in there and really dominate them. And then you come back at Jacksonville Jaguars, who they were slumping at the time and they ended up missing the playoffs, you know, a complete collapse. But still, they were still the leader in the South at that point on a big stage on Christmas Eve and you you thumped them. And I think Todd Bowles deserves credit for that. But he also deserves credit for rallying his troops. Yeah. After losing to New Orleans, right? That just like we talked about after that game, it was a huge missed opportunity. You could have clinched the division against your arch rival at home, not had to worry about week 18. The pressure would have been off of you. You could have very easily 
laid down. And while Carolina is a terrible football team and the Bucs didn't play great, right? They didn't score an offensive touchdown. Like they didn't score a touchdown, uh, but they still won the game. They could have, this team could have laid down and said, well, I guess it's not going to happen. Or even the, the following week against Philadelphia, they could have said, man, we didn't even play that well against Carolina. How are we going to beat Philly? And they could have laid down, but instead they didn't. So I do think Todd Bowles, while you said there is going to be some things that, that frustrate you, I think, and that's, Look, there's always going to be there. I think there's going to be things that frustrate you at Baker Mayfield. There's going to be things that the drops frustrate people with Mike Evans sometimes. Like, it, it happens. Uh, but there is going to be some things, but I do think he does deserve credit uh, for turning the season around because two months ago at this time, like, his job security was looking pretty bleak, and now he is locked in for 2024. Yeah, the turnaround of that defense in the second half of the season as well. You, you know, we all we had the conversation a lot uh, throughout the course of the regular season about if Todd Bowles was going to be back as head coach. And one of the talking points was the regression of the Buccaneers defense, which ever since he came to town five, almost six years ago, as a part of Bruce Arians staff and D coordinator, the Bucs have had an above average defense, I would say every year, right? Like even when they were playing their worst, I don't think they were the worst in the league. I, I would say that when you, when you, you know, count in the totality of an NFL regular season, uh, but we've had a little bit more time to look back at the Todd Bowles masterclass on defense from Monday night. And we talk about the turnaround of this Buccaneers defense. Another thing he deserves credit for, man, mixing up defensive fronts. And I feel like he was kind of in his bag a little bit on Monday night because he pulled out some things that we have not quite seen in the regular season. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does this Sunday against Detroit. We'll obviously dive into that a little bit more on the game preview on Friday, but I just wanted to note some of the things that he did, and he's been notorious for this over the years uh, as well. Vita Vea had multiple snaps where he drops back into coverage. I'm not really sure what you do as a quarterback when you look up and standing in that middle zone is 350 pound number 50. Uh, Yaya Diaby was used as a standing middle linebacker to rush the passer multiple times, which was another interesting look. I don't think I've seen that at all this regular season. Um, but mixing up defensive fronts and just confusing a quarterback, confusing an offensive line to where, you know, from snap to snap, they don't know what's going to come at them. I, I think that defensive prowess is something that we have praised Bowles a lot for over the years. And Monday night was just another example because you take away that one big deep shot. The Bucks could have held Philly yeah. without a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, you know, that was just a lapse in coverage by Anthony Winfield Jr., and that's rare, you know. Uh, that, that that has been rare for him. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely agree. The, the Bucks, the, the game plan was great. The players executed, which I, I always say it's not always on the coaches, you know. The, the coaches can put a game plan together. That's great. And at the same time, though, the players got to execute. And credit to the Buccaneers players uh, for executing there. And I believe uh, it was actually Tony uh, in the chat that even mentioned, you know, the plays were there against the Lions. You know, it just the players didn't execute. And I think execution is going to be a pretty big uh, part uh, of, you know, Sunday's game. And whoever executes better, I think is going to come out, you know, victorious. While we talk about the status of the Bucks, I wanted to talk about the status of the Bucks fan base and also just express how proud I am of this Buccaneers fan base. Uh, to put it simply, on Monday night, from what I understand, it was it was probably a ratio of like 80 to 20 uh, red jerseys to green jerseys. Uh, one of the two regular season games I was able to make this year in person uh, was that Monday night game against Philly, and they outnumbered us that game. It was, it was oh, yeah. embarrassing. You know, watching the Bucs get ran through, 
sitting in the stands until triple zeros and then just hearing all those dumbass Philly fans with their stupid chants echo through the stadium. I I was, you know, it, it was a it was a rough day, but I think being outnumbered was the worst part of it. And listen, this is something that I've come to expect as a Bucks fan. Like we've kind of tackled this topic before. I think there's always going to be some teams and some games, especially in the regular season, where not everybody's going to show up. And that's okay. Yeah. I've come to expect it. It doesn't break my heart. But what makes me really happy is when the playoffs come around and there is a general consensus among the fan base to not sell tickets to any Philly fans. And it seems like whatever they did this week ended up paying off because uh, all the accounts that I hear are not only was the place packed with red and pewter, uh, but the energy was absolutely electric. One of the most exciting bucks home games in a number of years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always a good sign. It, you know, like we talked about it's being in Florida, it's tough, you know, like you go look at the Miami game, look at the Jacksonville game, look at the, you know, Las Vegas Raiders game, look at the Los Angeles Rams game. I mean, look at the Chargers game, those types of cities and those types of towns. You're going to get a lot of fans that go for a vacation and catch a game like you, you just are, especially when it's teams like the Eagles the Cowboys, the Packers, like, like those teams, like the, even like the, the bears, like those like historic, you know, big time franchises in the NFL, the Steelers are a great one. Like, you know, those guys, they're going to travel pretty well. And especially when, you know, you get these Northern States, right. Just like I mentioned, Philly, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, like you, all these people are up there in the cold, right. They're going to come down to, to, you know, to, to sunny Tampa and catch a game. Uh, and I do think, you know, yeah, you are more likely to see that in a regular season game than in the playoffs um you know but even with tom brady you know you saw that at times uh, and i don't think that's ever going to change really but it is a good sign to see uh in a playoff game in a big moment on monday night football that uh yeah the, the bucks fans showed out and uh yeah credit to everybody that was there and you know hope you had a good time so the Bucs are in the playoffs, getting ready for the divisional round matchup against the detroit lions chris myers came on this podcast back in week three I think week three or four, uh, right after the Bucks had beat New Orleans. It was week four. So he said at the time, we asked him if the Bucks were the real deal, and he said, quote, they weren't doing it with kids' gloves. Well, here we are a couple days removed from a 32-9 victory over the Eagles in the wild card round, and if there's one thing that this Bucks team has proved to me in 2023, they have proved that when they play at their best – they can uh, they can more than compete, in my opinion, as a playoff team. They can go out there and they can beat the Eagles by 24 points. Uh, so I think there's a lot of reasons as to why the Bucks have come this far. We just gave Todd Bowles a bunch of credit, trusting the process, allowing the ebbs and flows of the regular season to happen, and ultimately the Bucks getting hot at the right time. We've talked about execution. We've talked about great coaching. But I think something that maybe falls by the wayside for a lot of people, and I know you wanted to get into this topic here, uh, one of the reasons the Bucks have just been a decent team this year is because of how good this roster is, and uh, Jason Light is a huge reason for that as well. Yeah, he's a massive reason, and uh, yeah, I, I you know we talked about before the show what we were going to go over, and you, you said that you wanted to mention Todd Bowles, and I wanted to give Jason Light his props as well, and I will have an article uh, coming out on Bucks Nation soon. Uh, I can't really exactly tell you when. Uh, it might not be this week, but it will be soon. Uh, just detailing you know, the job that Jason Light has done. I'm going to read you off a list. And it's a, it's a simple list, and it is people who not only have showed up on Monday night, but have showed up the entire season pretty much. Vita Vea, Elijah Canty, 
Yaya Diaby, Joe Trishawinka, KJ Brett, Devin White, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Anthony Winfield Jr., Zion McCollum, Christian Izian, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kate Otten, Trey Palmer, Rashad White, Cody Malk, Tristan Wirth, Luke Gedeke. One thing that all those guys have in common outside of Izian is they were all drafted by Jason Light. Izian is the exception because he was an undrafted free agent. Okay, but they were all drafted by Jason Light. And specifically, if you look at Cansey, Diaby, Tryon Shoenka, uh, you got Winfield, McCollum, Otten, Palmer, White, Malk, Wirfs, Gedeke, all drafted 2020 or later. So that shows me that he's done a great job of drafting and supplying this roster with not only good players, but depth as well. Going to mention Shaq Barrett. Baker Mayfield, even David Moore, three free agents that have made an impact. Uh, Shaq Barrett, not so much this season, but dude, they signed him for a one-year deal of $4 million. He had 19 and a half sacks the first year. Like, that's a great sign. How are you going to mention free um, agents that make an impact and not mention our boy Money Mac? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that that's honestly the biggest one. I, I missed the impact. He's, he was the best sign in this past offseason. Like, I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield fan. He was better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, that dude has arguably been the best kicker in the NFL this statistically, year. He has been unbelievable. Statistically, the best season by a kicker in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. Like, we're yeah. not just blowing smoke up this guy's ass. He, is, he has been the real deal. Yeah, like, he has been unbelievable. So, uh, shout out to Jason McGlaw as well but uh yeah i i just listed a, a bunch of players there a bunch and i don't know the exact number of how many i listed but it matters and even the guys that aren't on this team anymore sean murphy bunting had a pretty good year with the tennessee titans jordan whitehead i think the Buccaneers missed jordan whitehead wouldn't be shocked if uh you know if the Buccaneers end up having maybe some interest in bringing back Jordan Whitehead in free agency. Uh, he is a free agent this offseason. Um, I would be so happy just on the <laughs> just to go on the record, man. I am such a big fan of Jordan Whitehead. I was so upset when we let him go, and uh, I I don't know if he's entirely played up to the contract that New York gave him. And- he's he's been decent. I, I think he'll make a decent chunk of change. It won't be cheap, uh, won't but, be I, cheap I but I do think I do think they could have some interest in bringing him back. I um, think the best he has ever looked has been right there in a uh, Todd Bowles defense for sure. Yeah, and, and then even you know like Mike Edwards, like the guys they weren't even able to resign have been impact players. You know, you talk about finding a Cameron Bray and then resigning him, finding an Adam Humphreys and then resigning him. Jason Light is proving. That it wasn't just Tom Brady, right? Sure, Tom Brady helps. Rob Gronkowski helps. Antonio Brown helps. Like, yeah, like it all helps. You know, having like he also drafted like we forget because he he retired. He drafted Ali Marpet. Like he drafted Ali Marpet. He signed Ryan Jensen. Jason Light is a top five general manager in the sport. Like he just he just simply is. Um, and I know there's criticism, just like we talked about with Todd Bowles. There's going to be some criticism. Not all draft picks are going to be hits. There's plenty of misses, right? He's had, for all the guys I just mentioned, there's the MJ Stewarts. There's the Roberto Guayos. There's the Keyshawn Vaughns. Like, there's been some misses, for sure. And every GM is going to have that. We got a $5 super chat from Blue Wolf. New money, I think. Lions secondary isn't that great, so maybe we can take advantage of that and go deep to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and David Moore. It's going to be interesting to see how the Bucs are able to pass the ball this week because if there's one thing they were not able to do at all against Detroit uh, the first time these two teams played was throw the football. I think Baker Mayfield finished with less than 50% uh, in his completion percentage. Let me see. Here we go. 
Mayfield in that first game against Detroit went 19 for 37, 206 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, your leading receiver on the day was Chris Godwin, six catches, 77 yards, but not a single receiver found the end zone. The Bucks didn't even find the end zone themselves. It was it was two field goals was all they could muster. So we'll get into a little more detail on the game preview show, but after being called out by, uh, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, how do you think Baker Mayfield and ultimately this Buccaneers passing attack can take advantage of Detroit this week? Yeah, well, really quick, just, just you know, wrapping up the thing about Jason Light. Um, you know, I, yeah, I do, like I said, Jason Light, elite general manager. Also, shout out to to, to Blue Wolf for the $5 super chat. Shout out to everybody in the chat right now. We have 231 people in this chat right now. That is more than we had Monday night, folks. Yeah, that's, that is uh, more than we had Monday. This was an unannounced. that we didn't announce that we were doing this at whatever 1.50 p.m. on a two, on a Wednesday. Like we, we did. So shout out to all you guys in the chat. We appreciate all the super chats, all the likes, all the views, all the comments. Appreciate it all. You guys have been awesome this entire season. So shout out to you guys. Um, so yeah, I do think the Buccaneers are going to try and air it out. Um, and I, I do think that, um, you know, the thing about it is that when, when you're looking to, you know, attack this Detroit defense, right? This Detroit defense is vulnerable. Uh, this Detroit defense, I do think, can uh, get, um, you know, it can be attacked upon, I guess. The Rams did a pretty good job. Uh, they, they, the Rams did a, a pretty good job of, 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 of uh, attacking them and really teams all year. That's been the big bugaboo for Detroit. Um that has been the, the the big bugaboo for for the for the Detroit Lions, and um, uh, John Garner Johnson can help. They brought him in to help, um, and, and uh, I, I do think that the Bucks it, again, given you know, giving Mayfield time. The Lions are a physical football team; they're going to want to rush the passer. Uh, you give Mayfield time, and I do think that um, you know th- there there could be options there uh, to explore. Uh, and also, really quick, like on the interception, even in in with the weeks uh, the week six game, uh, you know Mayfield, the ball was tipped. If you remember though, he and Mike Mike Evans was wide open. Like yeah, it would have been a was, touchdown. Yeah, you know there gone. there was again we go back to that week six game. There was opportunities in that week six game, um, just the plays weren't made. So uh, yeah, I do think like I said, it's all about execution. Yeah, execution is going to be a big thing, and I, I'd say another huge difference between the Bucks then and now is uh, back in week five they were coming out of the bye week three and one high expectations, but realistically the team had not found any type of rhythm on the offensive side of the ball at all. You know, they, they didn't really hone in Rashad White's usage. Baker Mayfield wasn't 100% comfortable in the pocket. I know he was under pressure for most of that Detroit game as well. So there's a lot of things that, you know, now that the Bucks have found their rhythm and now that we know what this offense can look like when they play their best, it's going to be interesting to see how effective this game plan can ultimately be on Sunday against a tough Detroit defense. But We'll get into more details on Friday for our game preview. Wanted to kind of bounce back and, and talk about uh, the state of the Bucks and, and maybe forecast the future a little bit, if that's okay with you. You know, we talk about this Sunday's game and win or lose. I think for most level-headed Bucks fans, you could say this season was a success. Uh, after that playoff win being what it was, the fashion that it was, it's hard to write this season off as anything else. I I think. Well, it has to be a success. 
Yeah. I predicted six wins. You predicted seven. Yeah. I mean, this is like even like beyond. And we're usually pretty close, you know, on our predictions. Like we've been pretty close for a long time. Right. And, you know, like I I know the NFC South was was pretty bad. I like obviously with six wins, I didn't have them winning the NFC South at six and eleven. You know, I'm guessing with seven wins, you didn't have them win the NFC South at seven and ten. And I didn't think the division was going to be that bad if they only won seven games they wouldn't have won the division like the division wasn't that bad so yeah i think it has to be a success it's exceeded you know i think you know a lot of the expectations that even the the people that didn't have them winning three or four games didn't have them picking caleb williams or drake may i i think it's exceeded those expectations even of the people who were like yeah they're not going to be that bad but like they might not be particularly good um and it's yeah it's been a a massive success for the amount of dead cap they've been in taking the chance on baker mayfield taking the chance on a first-year play caller and Dave Canales, it's been massive. And a lot of those guys that I mentioned, right, the the Christian Izian, Kalajah Kansi, Yaya Diaby, KJ Britt, Kate Otten, Trey Palmer, Cody Malk, Rashad White, Luke Gedeke. You know, a lot of those guys are rookies. Or, you know, Luke Gedeke struggled last year at guard, switched him to right tackle. How was he going to respond to right tackle? Even Tristan Wirfs moving from right tackle to left tackle. How was he going to respond to playing left tackle? How was Kate Otten going to be with a bigger role? How was Rashad White going to be with a bigger role? Christian Izian, Zion McCollum, like KJ Britt, how was he going to be with a bigger role? These these guys have really stepped up. So, yeah, I do think it's been a massive success, and that's where we talk about – culture right and building that winning culture that is uh, building that winning culture that's exactly what that looks like yeah it's a continuity that the franchise hasn't had before and the finality of what next season is going to look like knowing that Todd Bowles is back Baker Mayfield's going to be coming back and a lot of these veterans the Bucks are going to make a legitimate effort to resign. Like I think this team isn't going to look exactly the same. There's going to be some shuffling in certain There's positions. Be some changes, yeah. But Mike Evans will probably be back. Chris Godwin's definitely going to be back. Maybe a couple of other wide receivers, but I have to imagine Trey Palmer, even though he has had a couple of fumbles, has played well enough to secure a roster spot next year. I guess we'll find oh, out yeah, from yeah. training camp. But the consistency of this team, and as of right now, the way that everything feels like a sure thing. You know, before when there were tough decisions to be made about the Bucks, like retaining Dirk Cutter always felt like such a tough decision because you didn't know. You were relying on that upside and you were relying on the idea that like, hey, one year in 2016, this team went from three and five to eight and five. So maybe, you know, Jameis can continue to develop and maybe they can retain some talent and continue to build. Cutter wasn't head coach material. We saw it happen. That team didn't get any better. This Bucks team, the way that things have played out this year and the way that, honestly, they have gotten to where they are, it doesn't feel fluky. It doesn't feel unsure. Like, I feel confident expecting improvement next year. And even if it's one game, 10-7, and 11-6, I still have a gut feeling that's going to be enough to win the NFC South at the end of the day. Uh, so expecting this Bucks team with the continuity that it has never had to improve next season under head coach Todd Bowles. I just, I feel really good about where things are right now. And I think for the first time since I have been covering this team on the podcast, since you have been covering this team on the podcast, you know, aside from going into the next season with the same head coach after winning a Super Bowl, like it, it, it's been a while since, 
you know, I think the Bucks were able to not only prove a lot of people wrong, but make people feel good about the following season. I know I was kind of babbling a lot there, but you know what I was saying, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of anticipation after the the first cutter year of going nine and seven. You know, in that offseason, they added Deshaun Jackson, they added Chris Baker, they drafted OJ Howard, they drafted Chris Godwin. You know, there's a lot of anticipation there, and, and the, the the team just fell flat. You know, went five and eleven, and then they decided to retain Cutter, and they went five and eleven again. So, um, yeah, I, I do I do agree that like there's. Because here's the thing. It's just like what I mentioned. You know, they went nine and eight. They won a division with all these question marks, right? If and not a lot of money, like they're going to be able, it won't be an exorbitant amount because they have to resign a lot of guys, but they're going to be able to spend a little bit of money in free agency. Like, like they'll be a little bit more active free agency than they were this year, right? You're not going to be looking at just basically signing Baker Mayfield, Chase McLaughlin, and Ryan Neal, right? Like that was pretty much, you know, they signed Matt Filer to a veteran minimum. Like, you know, that was pretty much their free agency. This year, I think I do expect them to be a little bit more active and adding a little bit more talent and certain areas uh so you have that you have another draft class which like i've just mentioned a bunch of times jason light has knocked the drafts out of the park recently so um you know you're adding more talent to this team and it's on the players to execute of course and it's each year's different right the performance of a guy one year and the performance of a guy the next year it could be completely different it is a year-to-year league uh i I think tom brady always used to say that like it you know what you did last year doesn't really matter it's a new thing right it's a brand new team um so yeah there but there is going to be opportunity and i do think like bucks fans wouldn't be wrong for like expecting you know like expecting improvement even like being honestly being disappointed maybe with a nine and eight record like being a little bit bummed out like the schedule is difficult. Like, is they have a first place schedule, you know, you got to look at that schedule and they're going to be playing a lot of good teams. But, like, you could be, like, maybe, like, a little bit disappointed if they only win eight or nine games next year. Whereas this year, you're like, oh, I'll take that, you know. But the expectations now have changed. Are you expecting 13, 14 wins? I don't think. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment by expecting that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I you look at the NFC South. I think New Orleans, it's still going to be a tough game. Division games are always tough. New Orleans, as we've seen this year, really, right? The games are tough. Um, Atlanta, I think, has a chance. If they nail this head coaching hire, if they get the right quarterback, I think they have a chance to make a jump. So I do think like Atlanta could be a team, but like Carolina is in a rebuild. And look, like even though Atlanta or, or you know could make a jump, New Orleans could still be there. There's still a ton of questions about those guys. So even entering 2024, you're gonna have a good shot to win this division again. So I do think that's important. And the expectations of Bucks fans, I think, should be to uh maybe not win the division, but at least you know, strongly compete for this division. And and I, I do think that, you know, it's a long, you know, come a long way, basically, uh, from where you were basically 2009 to 2019, where it was like, yeah, they're, they're you, know, you went every, every year, basically, like not expecting to compete for the division at all. And, and here you are expecting to compete for it and possibly win it. Yeah, not only do we get to enjoy the recent success with the Tom Brady era, but this season proved that. You know, the Bucks were a team not expected to do much this year, and uh, here they are. They are in a good place after going through cap hell, signing what was thought to be a Band-Aid quarterback worth $4 million. You know, in, in Baker Mayfield, he hits all of incentives. 
and the Bucks are about to play the Lions of all teams here in the divisional round. So you can't, if this is where the season ends this weekend, I'm not going to talk like it is because we don't know. We'll dive into that on Friday. We'll make our game pricks. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We hope you're there. But like, if this is where it ends and you look at everything that the Bucks had faced before the season, you cannot fought, uh, you cannot fault Todd Bowles one bit when in the grand scheme of things, you know, the Bucks potentially fell short one game before the NFC Championship game because I, I think even the people who expected the Bucks to make the postseason winning the division like I did for most of the year, I think you probably did. Even the people who expected them to make the playoffs didn't expect them to uh, to win in, in the style that they did. So this team has proved a lot, and, and I think that win over Philly was the culmination of a lot of the work that they have put in, but they're in a good spot, and I feel really, really good about the future of this football team. Any final thoughts, Evan, before we wrap this thing on up? Yeah, and I just think the one thing about that playoff game is when you look at the regular season, right? The Buccaneers, I said it many times, like the Buccaneers, they couldn't beat a winning team in the regular season. Like anytime they ran to a good team, they were able to beat the bad teams. They were able to sometimes even beat the average teams. But when you played the good teams, Philly, Buffalo, Houston, San Francisco, you know, you couldn't, you know, even like, just like I meant, you know, D- Detroit, like you couldn't beat them. And like that, like that matters. And I think that's why, you know, this win against Philly, Bucks fans' confidence is right now so high because they proved it, right? And even though Philly has been struggling, Philly's been one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like they have been over the last month and a half. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that, right? Like it, Philly has was not the same team that they faced in week three. But it's still the reigning NFC champions. Like, that still matters. They still have a ton of talent on that football team. And, yeah, I just think it's been massive a massive confidence boost for Bucks fans. And, uh, you know, for almost 300 people in the chat right now, uh, thank you all so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll be seeing you guys on Friday. Yeah, this midweek show, uh, definitely didn't expect <laughs> to get on here and talk to 300 people. But uh, we, we truly do appreciate your guys' support. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. We usually have three podcasts a week and some more video content in between those days. So looking forward to bringing you some more content this week to get you ready for the game. Find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. You got the Q&A this week. Anything else? Got the Q&A this week, and then I also will have an X-Factor out. Um, still deciding who my X-Factor is going to be. Like I said last week, it was Levante David and Devin White. This week, still deciding on that. Leaning, I'll give you guys a little preview, leaning towards Baker Mayfield just because of his, his performance against Detroit last time and how I think that made a difference in that game. So I do think he could be an X-Factor in this one. So, But uh, still haven't made a final decision. Stay tuned to BucksNation.com for all that. Well, he's under a telescope this week, so it'll definitely be exciting to watch. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back, but that's the show. Thank you once again to everybody in the live chat and all the new viewers stopping by. Subscribe for more, and we will talk to you on Friday. We'll be back with some special guests as we preview the NFL divisional round of the playoffs, Bucks Lions this Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, should be one hell of a game. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, and as always, thank you again for listening.
and go bucks. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.